0: Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Shannon Welsh, co founder of Fiber Evolution. Fiber Evolution's mission is to bring flax and linen production back to the state of Oregon and really the world, uh, but specifically the U.S. <laughs> we'll talk a little today about what happened to the industry there and what challenges Shannon and Angela face trying to bring it back. In this episode, you'll hear me wax poetic about linen, but let me just tell you, I could go on and on and on, much longer than I actually do in the episode. Humankind's history with linen is long and intertwining. Ancient civilizations were built on it, and it's the earliest textile crop for which we have evidence. Its use predates human history. That kind of tie to our history itself makes me feel a little magical using linen, but on top of that, the fiber itself is pretty great. I hope by the end of this episode, you'll love linen as much as I do. I'm here with Shannon Welsh, co-founder of Fiber Evolution. Hey, Shannon. Hello. Hello. So can you tell me a little bit about what you and Angela are doing with Fiber Revolution?
1: Sure. Um, So Angela and me met now probably three or four years ago. Um, We both are pretty passionate about raw fiber development. Mm -hmm. So I have more of a background. I've been working with Fiber Shed for quite a few years.
0: Fibershed is a fantastic organization that is working to build a dynamic and sustainable relationship between fiber farmers and the earth that can produce fibers to clothe and warm us with a minimal or even negative carbon footprint. We talked a bit about carbon sequestration in the episodes with Sally Fox, episode 201 and 202. Fibershed is working toward fiber farming in this kind of sustainable way, but the thing that makes me the happiest about Fibershed is that they're doing it with an eye toward making it economically feasible. They've done the research and shown that it can be done, but we just need to make the changes in our purchasing and our usage to ensure that the system can thrive.
1: And I also have a background in design, um, both apparel and textiles, and Angela's background is more in... um, uh, organic certification okay, and uh, farming, and so we came together and we really, I think, make a nice complement um, yeah. of skills, and our passion is linen. <laughs> we've become very <laughs> passionate about linen uh, for many reasons, um, and we've spent the last three years really doing mostly trial uh, research yeah. to see all the things that go into it. Um, the variety trials, um, we've looked at dry farming versus irrigation. Um, we've tried in different trials throughout our region, um, with different soil types, different climate patterns, um, just to really start reinvigorating how it's grown well and focused on the agronomic practices of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Agronomics is a branch of agricultural science that focuses on how crops feed off of the soil that they grow in and how enhancing the soil can increase crop yield without having to just plant more crops.
1: So that's what a lot of our focus has been, but parallel to that, we've been traveling internationally where um, kind of the linen centers are in the like world. Belgium,
0: Belgium, like
1: France, yeah. Netherlands, um, and Ireland. we yeah. spend time there and we're really In a big push to get to a scutching mill. Uh, We'll talk a little more about what that process
0: is. Exactly.
1: (laughs) We want to get to a mill in our region that could process the fiber from the fields into a usable form to get it to the market. Yeah. And right now there's nowhere in North America to process long line fiber for linen. Yeah. Um, we have, there's lots of groups um, around North America trying to get it going. And we've been working with those groups. But right now there is just no options for that. Yeah. And so that's really the biggest hurdle we have right now is um, people want to grow it. We can grow it. We've proven we can grow it well here. Um, but there is no equipment.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I imagine that at one point there was equipment and it's gone the way of most of the U S textile production. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Exactly. Definitely. There was, um, at one point in our history, we had over 14 processing mills just in Oregon. Wow. So it's, um, it's kind of been mind boggling to realize it's really all gone. Yeah. (laughs) We've dug and dug and we found little bits here and there, but, um, yeah, it's really gone.
0: Yes. So we'll swing back to the history, but can you walk us through the process of turning what's essentially a stiff grass into a flowy and dynamic fabric? Sure. So,
1: flax is a fiber flax grows within 100 days. So, it's a quick crop. Oh, that is really fast, yeah. Which makes it a nice rotational crop because mm-hmm. you get it out of your field. Then, once it's, it hits the stage we're looking for, we uh, pull it. Flax is pulled, and that
0: that preserves the fiber quality. Yeah, all the way from the root, like it's it's literally like pulled up rather than being yeah. cut down like wheat.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's pulled from the root, which leaves a completely clean field, which is great yeah. for this crop. And it also, on top of preserving the the fiber um, length and the fiber quality, it is part of the next process which is called redding yeah which is r-e-t-t-i-n-g and it
0: means to rot yep um, <laughs> it's kind of fascinating it
1: is and we've been uh field redding that's um, okay so
0: in the field you just like lay it down and let it start to decay
1: right so we pull it and then we've been doing everything by hand but mm. in an ideal situation um machines would come through pull it and then they lay it in windrows on the ground. Yeah. So it's laid out flat. And you it lays there um, on each side for about three to six weeks. Okay. Give or t- or actually that would be total. Um three to six weeks, but you turn it in the middle of yeah. that cycle so that both sides are kind of exposed to sun and um
0: and is it, the the timing dependent on the weather? Yes. Okay.
1: Exactly. And it's Kind of, it's dependent on moisture. Yeah, the, you don't want a ton of moisture, but you want and enough. You need enough. I mean, dew and the yeah, yeah,
0: um, to kind of get that process going. So, is it using the natural like moisture cycle of of you know the climate? So like dew and and then um, you know sunshine because the sunshine getting the dew wet or getting it warm would help break it down as well. Absolutely. So it's it's using the natural climate cycle. Exactly.
1: Yes. And it's using all the, um, basically what you're doing is you're breaking down all the pectins and all the stuff that's holding all the, the fiber fibers stock. Yeah. And so it's releasing those and loosening the fiber so it can be, you know, pulled from the center is called the shive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's pulled away from that part, the woody center, Okay. Um, so that's the redding process. Once it's been redded, you let it dry. You don't okay. want to store it ever wet. No, it'll keep falling <laughs>
0: apart. <most>, you know, <laughs> it'll mold. You um, want the that's... right amount of, of exactly, <laughs> disintegration.
1: Exactly. Um, and then it's baled, and then yeah. it can be stored for quite a while. Yeah. And so that's as kind long as of... it's
0: dry, it's not going to decay. It just is dried you know, fiber that could sit there exactly. until you're ready to process it.
1: Right. And we found um, in other regions around the world, they actually let it sit for about a year to Mm. kind of cure it. And that's where they think, you know, the fiber quality improves a little bit. Cool. Um, So we've been storing ours. And that's
0: kind of where we're at because it's all done by hand right now. Yeah. Uh, Well, and until you find the the milling equipment to be able to do it, you know, or find, you know, somebody who can do it, then it's... It's it's,
1: It's a slow go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a good thing that you're storing it, but also a forced thing. <laughs>
1: right. Um, and then beyond that, there's a pretty basic process. When you process it, it's uh, you break it. So you're basically breaking that woody kind of center. Mm-hmm. Um, you break that and the fiber will come away from it. Okay. So all the waste will move away. And then it's called a process called scutch, um, S-C-U-T-C-H. Okay. And scutching is the, um, basically the mill we want to get is a scutch mill. Okay. And it um, process the fiber. It's sh- basically these paddles go in a circle and kind of whack the fiber mm-hmm. and
0: remove
1: all the other particles away from the fiber.
0: So scutching used to be done by hand as all of these processes were done. You would use a standing board and a wooden knife-shaped item and basically whack the shit out of it with the blade of the wooden knife at an angle to break out all of the bits that aren't strong enough for the rest of the process. And all of the stiffer parts would be broken out as well.
1: And then after that, it's put through a process called hackling, which is basically combing Combing. and straightening, aligning the fibers And that is where we would like to get to um, at this point. Because then it can be spun, woven, past that. Um, It can get to the markets. Um, Also um, biocomposite markets, different markets are using these types of fibers.
0: Yeah. Biocomposites are materials that are formed with natural fibers and a polymer resin that can be either natural or man-made. If it's natural, the finished product can be biodegraded, which is fantastic. So, for instance, you could take the fibrous parts of bamboo, which is actually a fast-growing grass, not a tree, and put them together with a resin that can be molded into whatever shape you need it to be. So biocomposites can replace plastics in really fantastic ways. For instance, you could make roofing tiles or pallets for shipping or decking that has less impact on forestation because it uses bamboo, which can be harvested and replanted at a much quicker rate. And it will also hold up to the elements because the fibers within the resin make it much stronger than the resin alone. We'll swing back to biocomposites later with some more examples of what they're being used for. Yeah, that's the basic kind of process of how it works cool so you mentioned crop rotation is it a positive like like a like a cover crop for a field does it help the soil regenerate in any way is like or is it just not damaging and it will hold the soil in place so it doesn't erode
1: it's actually it's a great uh rotational crop that's awesome um, it does combat a lot of weeds it's uh-huh. good Grass seed. We have a lot of grass seed in our area. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're the the grass seed capital of the world. Um, (laughs) Those farms are looking for rotation crops, and flax is a great one to add in because it breaks some of those disease cycles. That's Uh, great. And it also, we've been rotating it with some other farms that were doing vegetable crops after, and they were psyched because the fields were so clean. Yeah, that makes sense. Pull it, and it's. It doesn't, we are growing organically, mm-hmm. so it doesn't need herbicides and yeah. we're not doing any of those things and it's been growing wonderfully.
0: It's so so um, it's
1: encouraging. Yeah. My,
0: um, my understanding was that it's usually been grown in swampy areas. Is that just to assist with redding? So like growing it in swampy areas means you've got enough moisture there. You could like lay it down, you know, closer to the water or does it really need a high water table?
1: i don't know if it's necessarily swampy but you do need you need moisture you need moisture we and we've been kind of uh changing not changing but we've been looking at when to grow um here in oregon one thing historically it was a spring planted crop mostly here our climate patterns are changing it's getting lot drier and our summers are getting really hot and dry and we've been pushing into that time frame uh, yeah which is not ideal for yeah. like like redding
0: because there just isn't enough moisture yeah it'll uh, just take a really much longer time
1: so we are we've been um, trialing overwintering it okay so it goes in in like october and then it's ready in june
0: well and then it's a cover crop for winter to keep you know soil from eroding and like Absolutely. it's yeah
1: yes. and there's not a lot of um, in our region especially that we don't have a lot of options for overwinter crops yeah um, so we're leaning more towards doing that to mm-hmm. avoid pushing into that super
0: hot dry time of year does, um, does the heat affect the quality of the fiber yes okay. it
1: doesn't okay. flax um, it's pretty resilient it it I. I've seen it get through crazy cold winters, yeah. and but it does not like extremes. It doesn't like okay. extreme heat. Um, it does affect the quality when we're pushing. And, and then also, um, in our mind, if we could have it redding, you know, in June, July and get it out of the field before it gets really hot yeah. in August, um, that would be ideal. So, We've been playing with timing and what would make, you know, the most sense for what the climate pattern is doing right now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So um, it seems like Oregon is kind of a perfect place for it because you're talking about, you know, that it can't have too too high of extremes. And I live in a place that is all (laughs) extremes. It's entirely extremes. So um, what is the history of linen production in Oregon? When did it start and what happened?
1: um so we have a very long history of linen production and uh i've it was definitely here during the pioneer times Mm -hmm. um lewis and clark write about it and they also write about seeing native tribes here uh, using uh wild flax uh to make baskets and for fishing cool so it's been here a long time
0: Um, so longer than than colonial history (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that's been kind of argued there are people that are like no it came over with the pioneers and then there's been arguments where
0: it was here before that um well, if lewis and clark have rec- you know have like recollections exactly. of it then it's and it may not be clear. the same
1: type of oh yeah. no but it's
0: something similar exactly.
1: yeah exactly um but it makes sense that it grows so easily here um yeah so it was around forever and then the height of it in the 50s um In the mid-40s and 50s, we had about 18,000 acres of fiber flax growing. Mm -hmm. We had over 14 processing facilities in the state of Oregon. And we were on the map as kind of a world leader for um, North America for linen production. Um, So it was a huge part of our history and uh that's why there's a lot of people would like to see it return yeah
0: well and it's not that long ago it's just you know all of the all of the push toward industrialization and you know away from small businesses sounds like it kind of screwed it yes
1: and there was definitely a combo of the end of world war ii because a lot of it was yeah. being thrown and processed for war efforts and when yeah. that Went away. Um that, you know, the funding and the infrastructure went away there. Yeah.
0: And then um, everything turned to like, you know, technology, <laughs> let's make, yeah. you know, nylon, let's make Absolutely. microfibers.
1: Yeah. And so people started replacing, you know, the fishing industry was replacing, you know, nylon yeah. for hemp and flax fibers and things like that. So yeah. and it didn't just happen to Oregon. It happened all over the world. Oh, yeah. So, um
0: Yeah. I'm surprised that that the industries in Belgium and uh, France and, you know, Ireland have even survived.
1: And when we were in Ireland, they are also, um, there's no really any linen growing in Ireland now. Uh, Are they just processing Uh, it? They are weaving it mostly. Oh, I see. They don't have, they, they, over the years, just like us, (laughs) they, um, the scutching mills went away Mm -hmm. and then the spinning went away. Um, I think early two thousands, and so now they do weave um, some of the you know there's yeah. a lot of weaving there as um, the Belfast
0: but, linen like because that yeah, was a whole industry. That, so just set so they're selling they're selling linens they're exporting linens rather than linen.
1: Right, and yeah. they um, but they're in a big push to start growing and getting it back too. So that would be great. Um, it's an interesting. I think we were surprised when we traveled. um, Yeah, we were just surprised how it's kind of, it's disappeared in other areas that are just, you know, Irish linen. Everyone knows Irish linen. (laughs) So we were like, what do you mean it's not growing?
0: That's just downright disappointing. (laughs) Because I love linen. I think linen's magic. (laughs) We do too. (laughs) I love that it's always, it's like, it's always changing. It's a, it's super dynamic. You know, every time you wash it, it gets softer. And like, it's, i don't know for me it's a little meditative it's sort of like an acceptance of of things as they are because you could iron the shit out of your linen or you could starch it to make it you know perfectly you know smooth but i really like the natural crinkle in linen
1: oh we love hearing that because so uh, so the biggest thing i get from people is oh linen it wrinkles like, that's like the, oh, I don't like linen, it wrinkles. And that just means that you don't have to worry
0: about, like, <laughs> looking pristine. Like, we have
1: to create a campaign that's about the wrinkle.
0: I love the wrinkles. I love the, like, because I love the, the natural uh, landscape that it makes. I yep. love the the shadow play. Absolutely. Of of having natural linen. It's just, ugh. Oh, I love it. And the sheen
1: and mm-hmm. the, there's just so many qualities. No, it's, it's very, uh. Yeah, it's a magical fiber for sure.
0: So there are different strains of flax, uh, ones for seeds or oil uh, and ones for fiber. Did you need to do any hybridizing to find the right strain for your locale? Yes.
1: Um, Seed is a huge problem Yeah. (laughs) because we haven't been growing it since the 50s. There is no seed to get. North America for fiber flax, we have lots of oil seed. Yeah. which there is fiber off oil seed, but you're going for seed, and so it's bushy. Yeah. it's short. Um, it's going to be less fine fiber, you...
0: less length. Exactly. Yeah. It's,
1: it's more appropriate for blending with other things or that makes sense. Making like a rope or twine, but it wouldn't mm. be great for you know Next long time. No. Yeah. Um, so we have been working with a seed, an independent seed breeder that works with Oregon
0: State University. Is that Jennifer Kling?
1: Yes, Jennifer Clinton, and she started a seed breeding program to, um, basically, we're trying to get to a a couple of varieties that are best for Oregon Mm -hmm. with current climatic conditions and current soil conditions. Cool. Uh, And also, that would fit well with organic um, systems because our vision is organic, um, so we have to, you know, kind of work. Well, so, and it
0: seems like, you yeah. know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go through all the trouble of bringing back a, you know, natural fiber to <laughs> production to Oregon, why would you do it in a way that it's dependent on, on pesticides or herbicides or anything like that? Like, it sounds like linen itself is a great, uh, you know, sustainable product. Why would you try to make it not sustainable?
1: <laughs> right. And also, I mean, it's, we have so many skilled organic farmers in Oregon. Yeah. Um, that it's flax is not a hard crop to grow. Like it's really pretty it's a pretty basic crop, you know. It's not super
0: um so it, it fits well, you yeah. know. Well it's not labor intensive in the way that like wheat is where Probably you have wheat to like you're
1: trying to process it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The processing is labor intensive, but growing <laughs> it is not labor intensive. No, it's
1: not, no. And if you have the appropriate machinery for
0: harvesting, it's not, it's not a complicated. Yeah. You know, right. Well, and I imagine, yeah, it's got to be special machinery because it has to be pulled up by the roots instead of being There's cut no down. There's
1: no other plant that is pulled with the same sort of machinery. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's why we don't have them here. Yeah. Um, I think over time there's a lot of interest and throughout the U S and throughout North America around fiber flax. And we can envision those machines being made here. Yeah. That's not impossible, but right now, yeah, it's really, we'd have to import
0: to get it going. So we get it, you know. So we've talked a little bit about the sustainability of linen. How else are you working towards sustainability with this project?
1: So, yeah, we mentioned the organic system and, but, um, one other way we've worked a lot is um in my mind for sustainability we are also looking at zero waste yeah. uh, and on top of organic systems and how we're treating our agronomics but the entire flax fiber flax plant has a market every of it so the mill we envision um and we actually have plans for um it would take every part of that plant and feed it into
0: a market, so there is That's no great. waste.
1: Everything is used down to the dust,
0: like everything. So, how is how are all the different parts like the woody center? How specifically the woody center? How is that yeah, used?
1: Yeah, so the woody center, things like that. They're using that a lot in um, different forestry systems. Use it to uh, for erosion control. Okay. Uh, there's lots of ways to use the woody shive for dairies for different ways of kind of absorbing or um I'm losing my uh word here um <laughs> composting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like,
0: like to speed those things up. Well, because it's yeah. already partially decomposed, right? So it would be right. like jump starting a composting pile.
1: And it's good at like yeah, absorbing moisture and things like that. Yeah. Um, the other areas it goes into um Paper paper products that makes for sense the toe, which is the shorter fibers are yeah. used a lot in paper. Um, there's also the long line and the toe can be used in biocomposites so to okay. replace plastic. so they're used that's yeah. a huge use right now and there's a lot of research around how could bast fiber plants like uh, flax used in composites? That's great. It's also been um, replacing um, old-growth wood, and they're using it for guitars, skis, um, skateboards. I mean, it's kind of amazing. There's all kinds of stuff coming out. If you
0: you composited it with, like, a natural resin, then it could be a really strong, consistent...
1: And it would be biodegradable. Yeah. (laughs) That's the other piece of this is we always think of if you're going to, you know, you're What's going to happen at the end of that yes. life cycle of whatever it is? Yeah. And if you treat linen the right way all the way through, like you said, and you're using natural resins or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it would be biodegradable. That's awesome. And so,
0: yeah. Toe specifically, is toe what's left over after the um, the hackling, like little bits that break off? what is so
1: toe? toe toe would be it's similar to wool so the toe is when yeah, you call like fluffier. the fiber it's yeah it's pulling the shorter fiber and okay. then the long line fiber is what would be in next to skin okay. that really high quality long which is usually about a meter long that's is so kind long. of how long <laughs> that yeah exactly that's why there's no machines yeah have. yeah because is isn't anything a meter long. Well, like, we
0: you know, know. Even, even in the wool processing world, there are very, very few mills who can do a staple uh, length longer yeah. than like four inches. Exactly. So I can't even imagine a meter long and the equipment you would need to get that done.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's why it is specialized equipment. Um, and on a side note, our passion is linen, but our mill can handle hemp fiber oh, as well. Oh, that's great. And so we we always saw that on the horizon. Yeah. Um, and so we do. You know, hemp is also a bast fiber. Yep. It's um, handled very similarly to linen. Yeah. Um, processing, and so our vision has always kind of incorporated that as well um, yeah. into this vision. Um, so with your these going, yeah. Yeah.
0: With your focus on sustainability and being in a a state where where marijuana is legal, mm-hmm. and um, also Oregon, by the way, <laughs> for people listening, has really like the best um, potency and and like <laughs> least toxic. You know, like like testing. They have a, like crazy testing for for all of marijuana and CBD products that are that like it's top in the country. But right. um, so with 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 that. As an option, like, is that does Oregon have a lot of like waste product fiber from hemp that you could be utilizing?
1: That's a great question. <laughs> yes, yes. The answer is yes. Um, we are looking a lot into that right now because uh, the vision for our mill could handle some of those waste products. Uh,
0: that would be amazing.
1: the The key is though growing the crops in a way that produces a fiber that you'd want to th- throw through a machine.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, you have to that, get to that point first. Of, <laughs> um, it's kind of a, a, when you're focused on, you know, if you're growing for CBD and you're focused on CBD, yes. then it's not about the fiber. Yeah. That makes and sense. so um, for us, what we've been telling people is, you know, with hemp, if you're going for CBD and that's your focus, you can grow hemp for seed production. Yeah, and You can grow hemp just for fiber. Yeah, um, We're not doing that yet in yeah. the U.S. I think that's One still thing at a time. Wilding. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, we see that coming because there is so much excitement, yeah. you know, about it. Um, What's well, so, so for us, Yes, we could handle some of the waste, but it would depend on what that waste... Specifically, yeah,
0: exactly what the waste it, looked like. Because it is... Yeah,
1: Hemp has a lot more... Um unlike linen it has more of a sticky a sticky substance okay. that's cuz it's a it's a hardy plant. Yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's it can be three times as long the fiber can be three times as long as the linen like oh wow it can be really long. Um we're not really going like that's not what's happening with yeah. hemp now cuz that's not the focus but it, there is a possibility to get to long line hemp which would be a very different, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, I wonder if because I was just thinking, like for the hand spinner market, even having hemp toe and linen toe blended together would be beautiful. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, because if you if you you know you could, I wonder. Shit, yeah. Like, I wonder if you could, if you could like fund the operation. Sorry, I'm in business mode. Um, I wonder <laughs> if you could fund like the the mill setup by selling to hand spinners.
1: Well, and there, we're <laughs> we, we we're sitting around in the state of Oregon, all talking like, how can we, yeah, exactly. Um, there's cause there is so many people who want to get their hands on yeah. linen. That's well,
0: from the U S yeah. Here,
1: you know, and we, every day we get calls from people and yeah, we, it's, it's going, one thing I really try to tell people is, you know, it's one of those things we're going to have to support yeah. all along the way. Cause it's going to take quite a while. Yeah. For us, to a point where, and for us, we want other regions getting mills. We can't be the only mill. Like, that's not going to get fiber out to the markets. Um, So there are other groups throughout the U.S. that are working um, on this as well. So it's exciting. That's
0: really exciting. That's how
1: you create a supply chain. (laughs) You can't have just one mill in one
0: place. Yeah, well, because then, you know, like, if something floods, then you're screwed. Like, the whole industry goes under Natural disasters yep. are
1: happening all the time, and yeah. you can't control those. Well, in so. climate change, exactly. So it's you don't want to like anything. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And, um It would be great to have crops growing throughout the U.S. for those reasons too. Exactly, so that the industry can have some, you know, stability
0: behind yeah. it. Cool. But yeah, well, that's that's great. Like if. Uh, shit this is I'm. my mind is going in a million different directions of how this could like revolutionize the world um,
1: <laughs> it's like, pretty exciting when you really delve into the potential yeah. of this fiber Um well, even, replacing even like, carbon fiber it's replacing it's, it's got so much potential it's very exciting
0: you know well and even for like organic farmers because you know they're always looking for good ways to you know to like uh, you know maximize uh sales potential you know of their land without you know without sacrificing sustainability so you know like if even if you had like a bunch of a bunch of organic farmers all across the country trained in how to and how to ret the linen they could be growing them as cover crops and then like shipping you bales
1: yeah there's yeah there's so many ways this could yeah exactly wow very um there's just so much potential
0: <laughs> there's so much
1: opportunity
0: yeah
1: um, I think it is I, the textile industry in the U.S. Um, yes yeah, it's, it's just hanging on by a thread the little bit we have yeah. and every day mills are going out of business still so yeah. it, there's this weird push where people are asking for you know American yeah. aid But then we're not completely supporting it. Yeah. Well, and you're (laughs) in a weird... There's something happening here where you're like, what's going on?
0: Yeah. You're in a weird position, whereas like, you know, U.S., wool you know yeah there aren't that many mills but like it's not it's not that long of a process to like get some sheep and start a flock do you know what i mean like it would like five years and you could have a fiber flock in the u.s you know and like with mountain meadow wool doing wool production or wool milling like and you know a bunch of like little smaller mills you could hypothetically be producing a finished product in like three four five years with wool but you're starting from scratch with seed. Like it's, exactly. it's well, a yeah, much longer process. That's why we have
1: to remind people because even, um, you know, we get to scutching the scutch mill, the mm-hmm. hackling, that can get it to the market. So yeah. then we can start, but we still have to, if we want to keep it American made. Yeah,
0: you've got to find a mill <laughs> that can do it. We to build
1: the infrastructure for the spinning yes. and the weaving and then the finishing of linen, you know, mm-hmm. the finishing of the fabric and the... And so that's going to take a lot of people working together throughout the U.S. to make these things happen. And um, we don't really envision every single one of those steps happening right in Oregon.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure. Maybe
1: someday, but right now that doesn't seem realistic at all. So, um, yeah, we're really in a push to get to that first phase, Yeah. (laughs) which we keep reminding people, like, that's (laughs) just, you know, like, this is, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time and support, but it's all due. I mean, we've done it before, you know?
0: Yeah. So is your final, um, like, end goal to to be producing fabric for the fabric market?
1: I have a... Well, my personal passion is fabric. Okay. <laughs> but um, we'd like to... Our I Kind of where we're at with it is if we could get it where we can get the fiber to market, we would probably partner up with, um, even if it's international for a while, uh, partner up with those who have been spinning for hundreds yeah. of years uh, linen and then could be working on the infrastructure here yeah. but our, our goal is as soon as we have fiber that can get to market we want to get it to the market yeah I mean, that's,
0: that's because you know. like there's it's not really specialized equipment to weave linen fabric um, so like you could bring the weaving part back to the US once you've had the fiber produced you know the right and produced. the
1: spinning i mean we envision there are spinning mills here that
0: have, have yeah.
1: expressed interest, like, well, maybe we could work together and get the infrastructure for, yeah. you know, vast fibers going. It's just all going to take, you know, time and kind of support
0: yeah.
1: and, and you know, um, but I think it, it's all very doable. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, and we also have to train um, a workforce
0: yeah. to do this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's, a- <laughs> That's the other big piece is there's nowhere to, someone to go work yeah. in a mill for linen yeah. that knows you're gonna have to train everyone yeah. so um we've built relationships with people in belgium and um yeah, that, that are willing to train. come over and train and yeah so
0: there's lots of lots of spokes to the wheel yeah <laughs> um have you guys considered doing like a kickstarter
1: we did an indiegogo campaign to raise some money for um harvesting equipment okay um it went pretty well. I mean, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of support, and we had a lot of backers. Yeah. Uh, we didn't raise quite enough to get you know the equipment we envisioned, but yeah. it did um, prove to us that there was a lot of support out there for yeah. what we're doing. Um, and yeah, so we're we're uh, right now we definitely are really focused on funding, like yeah. how we got to get to the scutching mill. Yeah. Basically, so that's been a lot of our focus this year, um, getting those things figured out. And I think, I think there's a good chance that it'll, it's all going to come together. That's great. Is there any way that listeners could help? We get that question a lot. Um, at this point, I mean, my one thing is support natural fibers. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's one great way to help on your own, like be kind of a supporter, uh, put your money down on things that are, you know, being produced with the right practices. That's a great way to start supporting the market. Um, We're trying to also let people know there is a market. That's the other thing for funding and capital is, well, it's not growing. So there isn't, you know, well, it's that chicken and egg. Yeah, (laughs) Not growing, but we know there's a market. We know people, we know designers want it, brands want it. Um, So we've been kind of saying, let people know you want linen, you know, like, let the
0: public know there is a market for it. Well, Um, unwittingly. So I'm, I'm in the midst of me made may, um, you know, wearing, wearing handmade clothing every day. Yeah. Um, and I am wearing a linen cotton blend on my pants and I'm wearing (laughs) a linen Jersey tank top. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) I just, basically I wear, you know, like I wear linen all summer long.
1: Yep. I, me too. And I, um, I it's it's the best
0: fabric in the summer. It really is. It's wonderful. Uh do you know anything about using kudzu for fiber?
1: I don't. I'm familiar okay. with the vi- it's a vine yeah. in and and it's yeah. rampant.
0: No, it's because of the American South. It's like it's a shit what's it called? Um invasive species. Right, right. In right, the right. in the US South and it's crazy. So apparently it has a similar, um, processing for than you know, as, as linen and, mm-hmm. um, because it's an invasive species, like you can exactly. basically harvest it for
1: free. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. that's, um, cause there's a lot of people doing nettle here. Yes. Uh, there's so much nettle. It's everywhere here. Yeah. <laughs> nettle grows on every river, you know, and that they've had a lot of success with nettle fiber. That's cool. So yeah, I feel like once we get this mill,
0: we could try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the processing would be the same. It would just be a matter of, of uh, you know, getting it.
1: Yeah, we're hearing, you know, in canaf. I mean, there's lots of different fibers coming up. People yeah. are saying to explore the plant
0: fibers. It's very exciting. Well, and like, you know, our, our industry, you know, the, the textile industry got taken over by cotton and it was like entirely about cotton for so long. And, like, cotton is great, but cotton is problematic the way it's been produced. And there's so many other natural fibers that we could be using. Exactly. Ugh.
1: Yes, we have to have an alternative to just cotton yeah. being our one plant fiber that we have to, you know. Yeah. There is a real movement in the U.S. right now to bring this manufacturing of textiles back, you know. Yeah. We just don't make things here anymore. And no, no. I, people would like that to change,
0: you know? I would. This is why I've got this whole, like, podcast thing going on. Yeah. I'm like, I think you all should know <laughs> where your shit's coming from.
1: And also we need more, uh, we need jobs. Yeah. You know, our region really needs jobs in these rural areas. This is a way to add value to, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's important. It's important work. Yes. And
1: there is... um one, you know, kind of the devil's advocate side is people don't want to do those types of jobs. Like people don't want to work in mills. And I don't agree with that.
0: Well, <laughs> I think, I think that it's
1: there's skilled a- labor and I think people yeah. will embrace
0: skilled labor if they're getting paid you know, yeah. a living age. Yeah, I think that the problem is that we think about the industrial revolution and like children working in mills and people working in mills where they were like inhaling cotton dust and, you know, exactly. and the dying of horrible lung diseases. But like, you know, with, with modern regulation, that should not be an issue. You should be working a regular, like normal eight-hour day and you'd be getting paid a sustainable wage and, you know, yeah. like... And we've gotten used to... um Kind of being dependent on
1: getting things as cheap as we can. Yes, yeah, you know, that's we have to what, rethink that.
0: That's a big part of it.
1: Because it's we're not you know the first linen that comes out is not going to compete
0: with no. the cheapest linen. No, it's not. It's
1: not for that.
0: So and yeah. it shouldn't. You know, it's a completely different quality of product, and you know that has to be acknowledged.
1: And if you want to pay people living yeah. wages. Well, and, and if you
0: gonna, want to bring industry back to uh, the U.S. Uh, yeah. as well, like right. it's gonna, it's gonna cost us. You know, you could there's a yeah. there's an old business adage that you can have things quickly, you can have things good quality, or you can have them inexpensive. So you can have two of those three things, but never all three.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it does go to the buy less, buy well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And make it last. It, it is, you know. Unfortunately, now there isn't a ton of options for yeah. us, you know, in the U.S. to something you know yeah like if i want a linen garment and know that it was produced exactly the way i would like it to it's pretty hard to do in the
0: u.s right now you know yeah so definitely so there is a question that i ask everyone in season two if you could be reincarnated as any animal what animal would you be i think i'd be an owl (laughs) any particular kind of owl or you just like owls?
1: I like, I like owls. Have a, um, my, all my grandparents, uh, my grandmother, my great grandmother collected owls. Nice. Owls have been around my, my life, my whole life. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so I think owl. Excellent. <laughs> oh, thank you, Shannon. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Yes. This was a lot of fun
1: i love sharing linen
0: <laughs> right me too <laughs> uh where can people find you on the internet or find fiber evolution
1: um we are we have a website it's um www.fiber f-i-b-r-e slash evolution it's a dash it's a
0: yeah like a hyphen the website
1: yeah. yep. and then um we are on instagram and we are on facebook excellent you can find us there and we do our best to kind of keep what we're
0: doing updated on there yeah we'll put links in the show notes so great it'll all be there for people thank you again thank you so much i wish you you. so much luck in all of this whole process because i really want this to happen thank you (laughs) i know
1: hopefully soon we will get our hands on some linen that would be so great (laughs) ah i
0: love it okay (laughs) all right thank you thanks (laughs) Y'all, please do check out Fiber Evolution. Their website, again, is www.fibre-evolution.com. I want very much to be able to purchase U.S. grown and manufactured linen in both yarn and fabric form. And if you haven't used linen, I highly recommend you try it out. Weaving and sewing with linen are my favorite ways to use it. Knitting and crocheting with unwashed and unblended linen can be a bit hard on the hands, so I recommend either using a linen blend yarn or pre-washing your linen yarn, giving it a bit of a thwack in the process. It will help soften the yarn and make it easier to work with. I hope you all fall in love with linen like I have. We are nearing the end of this season, The next episode will be the last until the fall, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Have you liked the show? What would you like to hear in the future? To make this feedback process easier for you, you can leave me a note anywhere. The show notes post for this episode at yarnstoriespodcast.com. I'm putting this question up in a post at yarnstoriespodcast on Instagram and on Facebook too. Or if it's easier to email me, you can send it over to Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M, at yarnstoriespodcast.com. You can follow me in all my making at Miriam Felton Knit Designs on Facebook and on Twitter or Instagram as Mim Knits. Thank you so much to the patrons who keep this podcast paid for. You can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Miriam Felton. And if you want between season bonus content, you should definitely join the Patreon. That's where all of that goes. And patronage starts at $1 a month. If you can't support the podcast with money, which I absolutely understand, you can rate and review it in Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or Stitcher, or share the podcast with your fiber-loving friends via social media or word of mouth. If you want to send me money but can't do a recurring monthly thing, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash Miriam Felton. You can follow the podcast itself on social media via Facebook. Search for Yarn Stories Podcast with no space between yarn and stories. Twitter at Yarn Stories Pod or Instagram at Yarn Stories Podcast. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. I'll return for the last time in Season 2 with a conversation with Jessica Marquez, author of Make and Mend, Sashiko-inspired embroidery projects to customize and repair textiles and decorate your home. Hey babe. Hi. What you doing in the closet?